Hello, and welcome to Digital Marketing Musings, hosted by Merkel. Each episode, we choose a different expert to discuss the latest and greatest in digital marketing. Today, we're sitting down with Mike Anderson and Colin Richard to talk about data visualization tools. I'm Gaia Reed. And I'm Andrea McCartney. And this is Digital Marketing Musings. Thanks for tuning in to Digital Marketing Musings. Today, we're super excited to be joined by Mike Anderson and Colin Richard, who are going to give us insight into data visualization tools. Mike Anderson has been a principal consultant with Cardinal Path, which is a Merkle company for over seven years, who specializes in data warehousing and data visualization with tools such as Looker, Tableau, Data Studio, and others. Uh, Colin Richard has been with Merkle for over two years and is currently working as a senior associate in the media analytics department, servicing retail accounts and specializing in data studio reporting. Welcome to our show, Mike and Colin. Yeah, thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So I'm really excited about this episode because I feel like data visualization is something that's completely underutilized in, in terms of marketing the storytelling that we do for the brands and companies that we work with. Starting our conversation off in a really broad way, um, could you describe what the importance of great reporting is and go, kind of go into what makes great reporting great? Yeah. So when we think about great reporting at that macro level, right? So like what really drives home is the fact that you can take valuable actual insights with your data. And so, you know, one of my favorite phrases is that we don't want to just visualize data for the sake of visualizing it. I'm, I'm sure we've all seen spreadsheets and PowerPoints that people don't really look at that much. And so if you can't take, you know, key actionable, um, key actions off of your data, then there's no point to even do it. So that's kind of like the what drives home great reporting across companies, organizations and things of that nature. And that's, that's typically driven by when you have a good ecosphere of, of tools and systems, and most importantly, when you have really good team members in place that can kind of support your reporting infrastructure across the board. Um, you know, because we're, we're dealing with so many problems these days in terms of trying to join a plethora of data sources that everybody's using from web traffic to social to paid, et cetera. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of one of those big challenges. Once you can kind of join and group all those uh, data together, then you've really got great reporting and you don't have this kind of like disparate system of uh, multiple data sources going on. And one thing I don't think that we give enough credence to um, is also making sure that your reporting infrastructure can handle the, the ad hoc requests, which can sometimes take up more time than those larger, you know, reporting projects where say you spend, you know, an entire two or three months just trying to build out a set of dashboards for somebody to be used ongoing, we get inundated with those ad hoc requests. And so making sure that you can handle those day by day as well uh, will greatly help you out long term. Yeah. And then I think um, speaking more from the client perspective on really feedback that, that we've gotten on a lot of dashboards that, that we've delivered over the last couple of years, I think um, accessibility is a big one. So being able to view the dashboards at any point during the day, um, having data that's updated as much as possible um, and views that, that aren't going to break frequently. I think particularly during periods like uh, Cyber Week, it can be very stressful for the client and if, if their reporting is, is broken. Um, doesn't reflect uh, really well on, on us um, and you want to make sure that that's not going to happen. Um, and then I think also just being able to really easily share reports across um, a company as, as much as you can uh, without incurring any additional costs. Um, and then, like Mike was saying, 
uh, reporting that is both highly visual and um, reporting that is valuable in terms of the insights that it's providing. So you can you know, take just a glance at, at any sort of report and um, really come out of it with actionable insights that are going to really have, a, have an impact on your business, I think is, is also very important. Um, and then I think the last thing that I would say is uh, reporting that's interactive. So um, being able to adjust date ranges, um, drill up or, or drill down to, to get more granular in the data that you're looking at, um, and being able to update charts to you know, look at different segments of your business, I think is, is going to be ideal instead of having 20 of you know, similar or, or the same views, um, whereas you could just sort of change a filter and, and get to that same data that way. It sounds like you're kind of anticipating those ad hoc requests that Mike was referencing earlier of what can we proactively answer or that the end user may be dealing with. Yeah, I, I think as much as you can get ahead of them, um, it's going to save you a lot of time down the line <laughs> in general. So. Creating your own self-service portal for sure. Yeah. Um, so what blind spots or main challenges do you often see in client reporting? Yeah, um, so I can speak to a couple of that, that, that I've noticed a lot and then hand it over to Mike. Um, but I think a big one for, for me is, is not um, clients not really understanding what data they have available, what data they're currently collecting, um, but then also um, data that's available for them to collect that they might not be at that time. Um, I think like things like custom dimensions and, and metrics in, in Google Analytics are, are really flexible and allow you to pull in a lot of different data on user behavior that, that you might not realize um, just because they're not available by default in, in Google Analytics or something like Adobe Analytics. Um, so I think having a good understanding of everything that's available to collect in terms of data and being able to, to report on that is, is really important. Um, and the more you know about that, I think the more you'll be able to kind of join a lot of those uh, data sources together and get to insights that, that might not be, you know, really obvious in, in how to pull on the surface, but are ultimately pretty valuable. Um, and then I think um, kind of going back to what we were talking about, um, building views that are really tangible and actionable in terms of um, understanding what it's telling you and what you need to do based on the data that you're looking at. Um, I think is, is really important um, so that the person that, that's viewing your report isn't having to spend 20 minutes trying to figure out what you're trying to tell them with, with the data that you're presenting. Um, I think as, as much as you can cut down on the amount of time that they need to spend uh, looking at, at a certain report, um, the better off that they're going to be in general. Yeah, for sure. And so um, kind of like from my perspective too, one of the biggest mistakes I think are you know, whether it's a gap or a blind spot is people really don't a lot of times start with the real foundation of what they're trying to accomplish. Usually have a request to get a report out or a dashboard, but certainly those larger projects too, you don't see people starting with like the actual business objectives. You're typically being asked to maybe measure a couple individual metrics, which people often call KPIs and you know, they're somewhat interchangeable depending on, um, on who you ask. But those KPIs should really be driven by the business objective. You know, our strategy isn't really just to measure a line chart or a scorecard and a couple increasing, decreasing metrics. It's what's that overall um, objective? And what what typically you don't see often enough um, are 
are companies that start with a reporting framework, as we call it. And that's kind of like the groundwork and the foundation of most of what we're going to be talking about um, throughout this call, I think. And so most of it kind of dive in too soon. Uh, and like my analogy usually is, well, you wouldn't build a house without a blueprint or a solid foundation. And so, you know, that's kind of true for most things. Um, so that's typically where I see most of like the bad things start to happening, uh, basically. Um, and then again, just to kind of repeat it, you know, a lot of people aren't taking actions worth their data. They're just routinely pumping out a spreadsheet or some dashboards. And so um, they're not really focused on those business objectives. Uh, what would you normally include in a reporting framework? Um, so normally we would probably do something like just mapping everything out. So we need to kind of know, um, you know, what, what technology stacks are we working with? Uh, who is the audiences of all of our dashboards? Um, so it's not uncommon we have different dashboards, let's say for different audiences at the executive level, a marketing team, um, even like your IT team. They may all have the exact same data source, but you have different, very different reports that line up for each one of those audiences. And so we would thoroughly map out all of those types of things with the objectives back to KPIs. And then lastly, we would actually, you know, or the last thing we talk about really is the visuals or the report itself, because that's really at the very tail end of that pipeline, right? And then again, that report's not going to be as successful if we haven't really mapped out the foundation of that framework document. Perfect. Thank you. Um... And this is definitely a, a novice question on my end. I am an avid Excel user, but I know there's a lot of other more um, advanced uh, tools that we can use for uh, mapping our data. What are the main tools that are available on the market today that most clients and uh, advertisers are using? And what are the pros and cons of each? Yeah, um, so there's a few that we're going to talk about today. I think um, wanted to start with Data Studio, which is where a lot of my experience is, is tied up in, and then I'll pass it over to Mike to, to talk some more about Tableau and, and Power BI. Um, but to kind of start with the pros of Data Studio, I think the biggest one for a lot of um, businesses is the fact that it's free for the most part, uh, particularly smaller businesses that, that maybe haven't um, invested a lot of time or, or resources in reporting, don't want to to start um, with something like Tableau or, or Power BI. Um, but I think also the fact that it's very easy and intuitive to use for analysts who are building reports. Um, you can really set up reports in, in just a few minutes if you have a basic understanding of um, data structures and, and really just pivot tables in Excel. Um, and in general, doesn't require any sort of coding um, for the most part or knowledge of ETL processes. And so I think in that sense, it's you know very attractive just because it is very easy to get set up and running. And I think the other piece of that too is that there is a really large community of, of users of Data Studio. So things like um, templates where users will, will build a template for a specific platform like Google Ads, um, Looking at performance, you can basically make a copy of that template, um, switch out the data source to be your own clients or your own accounts, um, Google Ads data source, and the data will kind of pre-populate um, based on the template. So things like that make it very easy to get up and running on, on Data Studio. And I think the fact that um, it's a Google platform, so you can really easily pull in um, data from things like Google Ads or Google Analytics, um, I think is, is why it's really popular among marketers and particularly search marketers where 
a lot of our data is um, coming from Search Console or, or Google Ads. Um, and then I think the last thing, going back to the community piece, is that they are pretty uh, frequently updating and, and adding some um, new capabilities to Data Studio, which is great. So some of the cons that that we talk about might not be cons in the next few months, um, just because it is updated that frequently. Um, but to get into some of the cons, I think because it's you know very easy and intuitive to use, you do lose some of the flexibility that you get with things like Tableau and, and Power BI in terms of setting up um, different visualizations and, and pulling in data from platforms like Facebook and, and other social platforms, I think is, is a big uh, roadblock for um, people who are invested in, in display marketing. They don't have those connectors sort of available by default and you can code your own or that's where some of the costs would come in um, if you pay for a community connector um, through Supermetrics or something similar. Um, and then I think the last thing that, that I've noticed is um, not a lot of flexibility in, in blending data sources. So um, the only joins that are available in um, blended data sources are sort of a, a left join. Um, you don't have the ability to use full outer joins or unions or anything like that. So um, it's not great from that perspective, but again, it, it could be something that, that changes um, in the next few months. And for the Data Studio Rookie, can you describe the joins that you just mentioned and what they are? Yeah, so um, joins is kind of going back to when we talk about um, combining data from different sources that, that might be in, in different data warehouses. Um, or different tables within those warehouses. Um, so left joins basically allow you to specify a data source that's on the, you can kind of envision it as the far left um, <laughs> when you're setting it up. And for the, basically there's a, a unique key or um, ID that's being used as the join key, um, which is one column within that data source. Um, and because it's a left join, any sources that you add on the right um, or after that that leftmost source are going to have to basically contain that same unique key in, in terms of the, the, the rows of data. Um, so if they don't, they'll get dropped off from your blended data source, um, whereas a full outer join or something similar will allow you to pull in data from other sources, um, even if they don't sort of contain that, that common key. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, and so probably the most common tool um, that I see after Data Studio uh, is probably going to be Tableau. Tableau is probably the, like the most common, what I would call enterprise kind of um, level tool. Um, it's it's great that Data Studio is free, but as Colin was saying, it's got some limitations and things of that nature. Um, and so you would see Tableau kind of quite often. And the great thing about Tableau, I mean, even though it's a it's a paid tool. It scales very nicely. So even if you only need, let's say, a small number of seats or licenses, you can start, I believe, with, with five, I think is how you can start. And then you can scale that up to dozens, hundreds, or thousands of users across the enterprise. And so it's really kind of flexible in that term. Um, and it's got a couple different components to it to where you have a desktop application. Uh, so we get to actually use you know, rather than something like Data Studio that's sitting in the cloud and may have a little bit less kind of like uh, computing power, let's say, and this desktop oriented, but then it offers a couple of components between its uh, its server and online, 
where that kind of like really helps you to do mass distribution and, and uh, automation of your uh, dashboards across your company. Now, Tableau does have a steeper learning curve than Data Studio. You know, Data Studio, as Colin said, you can really kind of pick it up in probably like a day, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Like if, if you've used other tools, um, even like a PowerPoint, let's say, Data Studio is awesome, uh, but Tableau is going to have that steeper learning curve. Now, what comes along with that, though, is kind of solving all the challenges that Colin was speaking to. So you're not going to have issues with left outer joins only or no unions. You're going to be able to kind of join and combine all of the data that you need to uh, directly in platform. And it's so I think of Tableau as like you have a, uh, an entire garage full of tools. Like if, if you want to build something, you can go, you know, essentially there's nothing that you can't do in Tableau that I found yet. And that's kind of really powerful. And especially when you're going to get thrown questions like make it do this, you know, like, oh God, okay, well, you know, we'll get that figured out. Tableau can do it. And um, <laughs> it's very rare. I have to go back to a client and say, well, you know, we, we couldn't figure out how to do that one. So you, you can do most things of that nature. Um, another thing I wanted to touch on with Tableau is when we, you know, one of these biggest challenges that we've talked about is the multiple sets of data that's everywhere. Um, Tableau does have a, a kind of a new tool called Tableau Prep, um, which is designed to do like the ETL process or the extraction, transformation, and loading of your data. Um, so there is a tool that's kind of paired with Tableau now uh, that's part of the same license, I believe, uh, that you have access to. And, th and that kind of helps transform your data and pull in those separate data sources. Um, it's not the most robust tool. Um, there's definitely, you know, bigger, better tools for doing very large enterprise type ETL. Uh, but for the average, like small to medium sized client, it, it, it does work really well. And so I'm a, I am a huge fan of Tableau in that sense. Um, and, and, you know, one thing I wanted to touch on because, you know, we have a free tool like, like Data Studio, if I could talk. It's not uncommon that different teams or companies would want to use that. And so it's pretty common to actually see somebody have a uh, paid for license with like a Tableau or Power BI, et cetera, but they're still using those free tools. And it's actually a really good workflow because if you have a team or a couple team members who maybe, you know, aren't up to speed on these, you know, bigger paid for tools, well, let them get up and running on what they can get access to, you know, right then and there. And then down the road, when they actually maybe hit those, those, um, kind of like roadblocks that don't hit up front, well, then that's when you bring in the kind of like bigger, more paid for tools. So it's a pretty common use case to see a, uh, a mixture of multiple tools in this space, not just like a one or the other uh, type of thing. Um, given that it's a, a steeper learning curve for Tableau, and I think you had also mentioned earlier um, the like level of, of training and skill in the team that you have available can be a factor that you want to consider. Um, do you normally see that uh, clients or advertisers who are running on Tableau have a, a heavily dedicated analytics team or data visualizations team, or where do you see that normally fitting in with, with most clients? Um, so when I think of a client on a scale, let's say one to 10 for maturity of reporting, dashboarding, analytics, they're probably on the lower to middle scale if they have Tableau, um, because they've obviously dedicated some resources to to either learn Tableau or to certainly pay for the license. And so once you're paying money for something, they're typically a little bit you know, higher up that curve. So that's generally where they tend to start, I would say. Um, and so the, the next kind of tool I want to talk about uh, is Microsoft's Power BI. 
I most often see this tool with companies who are already heavily invested in that Microsoft ecosystem, right? So they're using SharePoint and Office, maybe some other tools. Um, and so you typically see that when you're already in, the, in um, with that system. And that makes perfect sense because why, you know, have to change ecospheres or make two systems kind of bridge together, uh, right? And so um, similar to Tableau, you do have a desktop, a desktop application along with like server distribution and automation. And what I do like about Power BI over Tableau, and Tableau is actually kind of getting better at this in some of the recent versions, is they have a really nice data modeling layer uh, within the interface. So you don't have to go do any SQL to like maybe do some joins or ETL. And it's kind of like a nice drag and drop interface to kind of build out your data models uh, when working with those multiple sources or multiple tables. And so that is kind of nice. Um, now, one challenge I often see with it is that um, like in our space, we do a lot of Google Analytics and that connector is maybe like not very robust. They don't have the most robust connectors overall, I would say. Um, and we do see issues a lot of times when we're working with very large data sets that need to be extracted locally. Um, if you're working with like live connections back to Microsoft SQL and things of that nature, it's fantastic. But sometimes those larger extractions can be a bit of a challenge. And then lastly, to talk about what I call like the, the truly enterprise tool, uh, that's where something like a looker comes into place. And when we think about something like Looker, it is definitely uh, kind of like to your question earlier, you're going to be on the highest end of your maturity scale more than likely when terms of data analytics and warehousing data uh, if you're using Looker. But it has the most, let's say, uh, features in terms of governing the actual data at the most like row level uh at the, at the row level possible, along with user governance, data governance, versioning control with GitHub built in. Um, it's extremely, there's, like if you have an IT team who has either cloud warehouses, local warehouses, they can basically run the show. You don't have to go to really anywhere else to do everything all within one place. Um, and so from that perspective, it's kind of like the most powerful tool Whereas it kind of is maybe a basic example, um, like say you're using BigQuery with the Google products and things of that nature, you've got a couple you know, uh, separate systems, whereas everything is really kind of combined into Looker directly and you have the ability to change and control anything that, that you can possibly think of. And one of the things at the enterprise level that's, that's um, super nice is that you can push and pull data in each direction. So say you're working with a dashboard with some Salesforce data or some kind of third-party data where you actually want to change something on your dashboard, but you want it to actually update the system on the other end. You can immediately push that data back into the Salesforce database, for example, and kind of have like your own application that you're using when you use Looker. Um, so it's a, it's a pretty specialized tool, but when you have those needs, it's, it's quite a fantastic tool, I will say. And speaking of the maturity curve, so if we have Looker at the very top and uh, Tableau kind of low medium, where do you place Data Studio and Power BI on that, on that scale? So they're probably on the lower end in terms of the fact that they're free and they're super easy to use, which is fantastic. And so a lot of times I'll see clients maybe even just start their data journey with one of those two tools. And then as they mature or as they get, um, you know, have greater needs for automation, distribution, and things of that nature, they might be able to say, you know, advance into some more of those enterprise type of tools. Got it. Okay. 
Um, so how do you go about choosing or recommending between the tools for a given client or advertisers? Yeah, um, I think going back to a number of the things that, that Mike just touched on and, and that we touched on a little bit earlier, I think um, the first is um, where a lot of their technology is currently. Um, so for someone who is pretty heavily invested in Microsoft, it might make sense to, to opt into Power BI versus something like Tableau. Uh, but I think, um, like Mike was also saying, just with where they are in, in terms of their data maturity, um, if there is a lot of ETL that needs to be done on their data coming from a lot of different sources, you would probably need something more um, that offers more of that functionality like Tableau or Looker. Um, but if a lot of your data is really just coming from Google Analytics, um, Google Ads, and it's already sort of prepackaged the way that you need it to be, you can you know pretty easily get set up in, in Data Studio um, without having to you know hire analytics support or anything like that. Um, so it is you know pretty easy in that sense. And I think um, really how well um, a different different tools can can scale um, in in terms of like the accessibility of each. Um, and I think obviously budget is going to be a big one. Some of them are free, um, like Data Studio and Power BI, and then others are not. Um, so those are a few of kind of, I guess, the factors that that I would think of. Um, but I'm sure Mike has some additional as well. Yeah. So those are all you know great points and things that you have to consider for each given tool. And, and again, you may end up using multiple tools. I don't think there's any just like one magic sword, let's say, to kind of, you know, tackle all of your problems, right? But you got to consider things like, you know, what is your, if you're choosing a tool from the, like, if you don't have no tools currently, maybe you have Excel, but you don't have any type of like dashboarding uh, type tools of that nature, you got to really think about what is your technology stack today? Um, what are the different sources of data that you're trying to get at? Uh, something you may have already noticed is, you know, one of the first things you see on the homepage of some of these tools is all the different data sources that they, you know, join to. Um, so you got to make sure that the, that the tool you choose is even going to meet the needs of what sources that you're trying to get at. And you might need things like automation and distribution. Maybe you need things on that, uh, you know, to, to join data, uh, things of that nature, as well as, you know, are you choosing the tool that's going to scale? Right. So like you have needs today, but what is your six month, 12 month kind of roadmap look like? And is that going to meet the needs in the uh, in that future? Uh, and again, you got to be able to support it, make changes, hope, you know, be able to do the, uh, the, the ad hoc support that we know happens day by day, week by week. Um, and is it going to meet everything that you need for technical versus non-technical users? Um, and that that kind of um, division right there between technical and non-technical, again, is where I see the most. Uh, use cases of, let's say, Tableau and something like that's, you know, free from Google, etc. And budget, of course, we got to make sure that we get the budgets approved and we can pay for these tools. Um, you know, some of them are very starter type prices. And then we look at tools like Looker, um, and, you know, and some of these things scale very high and they are an enterprise uh, type of price tag. But it's not uncommon to see companies using using both. Because, again, if you're a, a five person team in the marketing department working with one data source, you don't need the enterprise tool. You've got the reports just for you and a couple team members. Um, and so very common to see that because I get asked a lot, which is the best tool. And a lot of times the answer really is, well, it's going to be a couple tools. You know, so it just kind of depends on what your needs are. Well, great considerations for our listeners to think about. Uh, as a last takeaway for, for our listeners, 
What can clients be doing today to help improve their current reporting, regardless of what tools they're using? Yeah, I think a big one that we've talked a, a good bit about already is um, trying to get rid of the fluff in, in your reporting. If there are views that aren't really important or don't tie back to um, the KPI that's being reported on, um, I think you should go ahead and, and get rid of them. I think if if nothing else, you're just sort of bogging down the user with additional data that sort of takes away from the story that you're trying to tell. Um, and then I think continuing to um, think about what data you would want to collect if it, you know, even if you don't know exactly how you could go in and, and collect it, um, there are ways to to get creative and do that. So I think that a lot of the times people might think because it's not being collected right now, it's not possible. Um, but I think that's just a conversation that that is worth having, um, particularly for um, website metrics that might seem you know hard to track in general, but are ultimately really valuable. And I think the last thing I would say is just um, you know soliciting feedback from uh, the the end user of the reporting that that you delivered. I think um, it's easy to say like you know I didn't hear anything back when I delivered it. Um, I think all is well, uh, but a lot of times they may not want to give you critical feedback on some of the views that that you handed over, um, and a lot of times that that feedback can be really helpful. So I think kind of reaching out yourself um, to, to get that feedback is, is really important as well. Yeah, and I just want to reiterate that again, because that <laughs> is so important. I mean, how many times have you gotten a spreadsheet from somebody, some kind of report or a dashboard, and you hear back silence, you know, until you send out the next one, and you just kind of hope yep. that everything's working. Yep. Um, so <laughs> I, that, is, that is so critical. It's such a good call out, Colin. Um, you know, I would just kind of encourage everybody to to revisit the reporting framework. You know, like if you if you don't have one and you're doing reporting today, I'd encourage you to immediately just, you know, next time you look at your dashboard, ask yourself, you know, what is our strategy here? Do we have business like actual business objectives, not just KPI metrics? And and do those KPI metrics roll up to the business, you know, um, to the business to the business objectives? And do you have your audiences outlined? Do you know all of your current sources? Do you have dashboards mapped out for each of those audiences? Um, it's just it's just so important to have that really good foundation, you know. And and I encourage clients all the time too. Even if you have one of these framework documents, I'll ask them, well, how old mm -hmm. is it? You know, is it only three months old or is it six months to a year old? You know, is it, is it, is it time to revisit that? Because we're always changing and adapting and there's always new data sources. And so it's an ever changing kind of thing. It's not just the old uh, set it and forget it, you know, type of um, mentality. And it's just super crucial to map out the technical workflow um, as well, because what I'm always afraid of with some you know, a lot of times it's really, it's a lot less painful to do like a short-term solution, but I will guarantee you nine times out of 10, you're going to have way more pain down the road if you didn't map out a 12-month road, um, like a, let's say a 12-month roadmap, for example, to make sure that what you have in place is actually going to scale for the future. Because otherwise, you're going to be rebuilding the beginnings over and over <laughs> and over. And it, it is... It is so common, um, it's just unbelievable. And so, you know, stopping and just kind of looking at everything from the strategy perspective overall at that macro level, I think it's just so important. These are wise words. Um, thank you for all of the advice. I'm sure the listeners are going to love it. 
Um, and that's it for this episode of Digital Marketing Musings. Huge thanks to our guests, Mike and Colin, for joining us today. Yeah, thanks, y'all. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Awesome. Well, stay in touch and let us know if, what you want to hear about next by emailing us at digitalmarketingmusings at merkleinc.com. Also, if you've not already, please hit that subscribe button and rate and review us. It helps others find our show. And uh, please be sure to tell a friend about it as well. Until next time, I'm Andrea McCartney. And I'm Gaia Reed. Bye. Bye.